Hello, and welcome to the second episode of a six-part podcast series, during which we'll be exploring the concept of regenerative soil science. My name is Mike Jiggins, editor of Turf and Rec. Our guest for this series is Randy Booker, superintendent at Otter Creek Golf Club in Otterville, Ontario, and principal at Turf Evolution. For the past several years, Randy has adopted regenerative soil practices at Otter Creek, It's something he says that has led to a healthier soil, allowing the microbiology beneath the surface to thrive and to do its job to help produce healthier turf. To achieve this, Randy has eliminated the need for such inputs as fertilizer and pesticides. In this second episode, Randy will go deeper into the science and will talk about how his practices have led to substantial input savings for the golf club helping its bottom line. He'll also talk about what other golf superintendents have had to say. Here then is part two. What could a golf superintendent expect if he wishes to delve into a regenerative soil approach after the course has been maintained for 50 or more years in the conventional sense? Well, I think the first thing we have to throw in here is patience. Um, this does not happen overnight, which is something that uh, in our time frame now, we all expect things to happen tomorrow. We all expect to be able to put something down and have a product out on the ground and have it change or um, control or cure something by tomorrow. And that just doesn't happen. So first off, you have to be patient to the point that it's going to take some time for this transition to take place. And think of it as, I'll just throw a smoker out there. If you are addicted to nicotine, you know it's going to be very difficult to pull yourself off of that. So it's going to be a slow transition away from the old and slowly make the system adapt to a new. So it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, When I made the change, I personally could see things changing. It really did not affect the playability of the golf course. Nobody else could see it. Uh, I knew that things were changing. I could see you know, maybe a little change in the growth of the plant, maybe a little back off of a little bit of color in the plant, but it wasn't noticed by anybody else. It was still green. Uh, It was still growing, but it wasn't in the same sense that it used to be when I would put, uh, you know, a tenth of a pound of nitrogen on it and expect it to grow crazy for the next week in a bit and expect it to be a, you know, that, I don't want to say phony green, but you know, that, that, that forced green as opposed to just a true natural green. I think that's one of the things that we have to adapt to is that uh, green is green and how many shades of green are there, right? We, We don't need to be at the deepest, darkest green color. Turf varieties are going to make that change as well. But I think if you're on an old golf course of that sense, you're going to slowly start to change your program. You're going to slowly start to introduce some products to it while you are decreasing the use of your synthetic or your conventional products that you've been using. Um, And one example to throw out is that just with the simple use of a humic acid, you can drop your nitrogen rate by a minimum of 30% without even an eye blank because when we apply nitrogen now, we basically lose 40 to 50% of the applied nitrogen through either volatilization, leaching, or it just gets bound up in the biology. So when we throw down fertilizer now, we really only get about 50%, 40, 50% uh, 
use out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really not a very good business model if you were only getting a 40 to 50% uh, return on something that you're doing. So if you just add a simple humic acid, you can back that nitrogen rate down by 30% immediately, and you won't even notice a change in a color sense or in a growth sense, because you're not losing that nitrogen through volatization or the leaching process, because a humic acid will chelate it and hang on to it and keep it within the soil profile so it's available to the plant whenever the plant needs it. You mentioned that uh, patience is a, is a key, certainly, for uh, making this transition. How, what, how much of a selling job did you have to do to the ownership at Otter Creek to, uh, to get them to, to uh, agree with what you had in mind? I didn't sell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they didn't even know I was doing it. <laughs> Um, you know, and that's, I, I give them the credit because they have the trust in me uh, to provide the product. And of course, I, I would never do anything to the golf course that would put it into a digression, uh, specifically that ownership would, would notice and see because there goes my job. Uh, but the big bonus that they saw out of it was the drop in budget. Because once I got rolling on this program and I was letting nature do its thing, so what I was really providing for was the soil. And I backed off of thinking about the plant altogether. I, the plant will get what it needs from the soil. So my process was to start to do the soil build, to start to get the biology and get the life back into the soil and we, we basically run a soil that is I'll say lifeless and I know there are a lot of people will squash at that because they perceive it as being full of bacteria and alive and fantastic which we are dealing with a bacterial based systems when we are throwing all of our synthetic products out of course our fungicides go out we kill off fungi and we don't just kill off the one fungi we're trying to kill we kill off a vast majority of the beneficial fungi that are in the soil. We don't get that when we are in a full bacterial system. We don't have fully functioning soil biome because we need bacteria, we need fungi. Those are the two main. Then we turn around and we have protozoa and we have nematodes and we have arthropods and we have all those other little insects. All of that is happening under the soil. And unfortunately, we humans tend to only worry about things that we can see, and we can't see what's under the soil, so we really don't care about it. But when we go back and we start to bring life back into the soil, then we start to see that the soil and the plant start to interact. And then we start to see that we don't need to use the inputs that we used to use. So as I said before, my ownership didn't really know that I was making these changes. They couldn't see anything happening from the turf, but they could certainly start to notice that my budget was starting to drop. What kind of a percentage would you say uh, you saw, you realized in budget savings? Well, okay, I'll throw you some numbers out. So when we were in our prime the first four or five years that we were open, uh, fertility and pesticides together. Now, this included wetting agents, so I tally all that together. I was well over $100,000. It'd be 100,000, 115, 120, 
you know, in that range uh, of all those years. Uh, last year, 2022, we were total of 35-ish thousand dollars for all products. That included all the biological products I use. Uh, that includes the wedding agents that I use, which I really only use a synthetic wedding, wedding agent on my fairways. Uh, I use a biological agent on my teas and greens. So when we think about the benefit out of that was just a budgetary standpoint. So I went from a hundred odd thousand dollars down to $35,000. And from a actual pesticide usage standpoint, I have probably dropped at least 90% of my pesticide use from uh, 10 years ago. Well, that's a pretty substantial savings. Did you apply that uh, the difference into any on-course projects at all? or No, <laughs> I didn't because it really never came to me. Um, you know, being a privately owned club, uh, and I think this really should stick out any golf club. You know, we, we are not only managers of, of the turf, we are managers of a department. And we should be as fiscally responsible as we can possibly be, as well as providing what the golf course needs. So obviously, if your needs are a little bit higher, you're probably going to have to spend a little bit more money. Um, but it still doesn't mean that we just frivolously go out there and apply products because that's one of the problems, I think, with our, our current uh, just humans in general. You know, we do a lot of things just because as opposed to necessities. And in our situation in Otter Creek right now, we don't need to spend that money. So when we think of it from a private ownership standpoint, those owners don't need to worry about either finding that money, or if you're on that tight of a budget line to your total income and your total expenses, you know that can make a big difference between the club, well, surviving or not surviving, or making a little bit of money or being in a deficit situation. So what kind of uh, feedback have you uh, fielded from some of the golfers who have been there you know, maybe since day one, they've seen the transition from uh, how you began to where you are now. What, 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 what are you hearing about the uh, course conditions? Oh, well, the turf conditions have never been better. Um, even, even in those first four or five years, um, the turf is far better now than it was. Now, obviously, it's a healthier, it's, it's a more mature turf than it was uh, in the first four or five years. But the, the play conditions... Um, are far superior to what they were when I was on a synthetic management plan. Um, I very rarely get any type of disease now, period. So, of course, the sprayer is not out there. Uh, from a pesticide standpoint, golfers now see me with the sprayer out there, and they, for the most part, they know what I'm doing now because they have asked. You know, they may see me with the sprayer. Well, what are you putting out? When I start to say I've got fish hydrolysate or humic acid, or I've got a vermicompost extract, and you know, I'll, I'll take the lid off the sprayer and I'll stick my hand in because I could possibly just have molasses uh, and, and a humic acid and you know, some extract in there. So it's perfectly harmless. So they like that component of it that it's just they don't have to be worried about all the pesticides because I really think that. 
you know, with the climate change issues we deal with now and with disease issues, not only from plants, but in, in a human sense, I think people have really started to pay a little bit more attention to what is happening around them from both a, uh, a food nutrient standpoint, uh, as well as um, what's being put down on the golf course or sports field um, or whatever turf that people may be on. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a much healthier situation all the way around. And as you say, the turf conditions are superior to what they used to be. Have you had other uh, superintendents who may have played Otter Creek who have uh, afterward approached you and wanted to learn more about uh, what you're doing and perhaps uh, maybe talking about adopting it themselves? Uh, oh yeah, I've had a lot. Um, I've had several superintendents come to the golf course as well that wanted to because I'm not so much on Twitter anymore because I really think Twitter has gone a little bit downhill from a networking standpoint. I don't want to get into Twitter fights, that, which is, <laughs> you know, um, but when I was out on the social media point and, and throwing pictures out, throwing some of the ideas I was using at what I was doing, um, I did have a lot of salesmen come to me and say, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so are saying, what's Booker doing in Otter Creek? What's, what's Booker doing now? Um, so much so that one of the salesmen had to bring a few superintendents out because they actually wanted to see. They wanted to see the turf. They wanted to uh, make sure that what I was throwing out, um, you know, via Twitter or, or uh, LinkedIn or any of, of the social media uh, points that it was exactly what I was saying. And some of the other issues I ran into, you know, it's very hard to really throw context to comments when you're in a social media point where you only have so many characters to play with. And um, I found that out that, you know, I had to be a little bit more um, in tune with what I was actually saying, as, as opposed to a little bit more of a broad component. Um, but these guys came out and looked at it and it was like, yeah, this was exactly what you've been saying. And I, you know, everybody is that comes out and looks at the golf course, even from a field, I walk on the greens. I have very, very little thatch and actually I have no thatch anymore. The greens have gone back to a very firm surface and it's, it's a footing. You can walk on a, uh, on a firm green and you can feel it with your feet. Um, and these guys are just amazed at, at really at what I am doing and the lack of inputs that I'm putting out there uh, and the conditions that we have. Thanks, Randy. We'll return with the third episode in this podcast series on June 7th. Watch for it on our website at www.turfandrec.com. Mm-hmm.